My name is David Hershkovitz. I'm the founder of Paper Magazine, and this is Light Culture. Listen, learn, and stay ahead of the curve as I knock heads with cultural disruptors of the past, present, and future. Light Culture is brought to you by Burb, the Vancouver-based cannabis brand. Josh Madden is a self-described polymath which means that he's pretty good at a number of different things. Officially a creative director of streetwear brands X-Girl and Extra Large, he lives at the intersection of art, music, and fashion. Just where and what that intersection is and how he manages that Venn diagram is something we're going to talk about. He also has an outsized role at MDDN, a company founded by his brothers Benji and Joe Madden of the mega pop rock band Good Charlotte. We'll ask him all about that as well. Social media platforms, media marketing strategy, digital marketing strategy, brand positioning, creative consulting, and brand ambassadorships are some of the touch points where he has left his fingerprints. Though settled in L.A., where he has dibs on Hollywood royalty via his high-profile sisters-in-law, Nicole Ritchie and Cameron Diaz, we nevertheless met back in the day in NYC when magazines were all the rage and Josh was a commanding yet low-key presence beloved by one and all. He went on to launch Nylon Men's Magazine and evolved into the creative influencer that he is today. So here we are looking to catch up and do nothing less than take the temperature of the zeitgeist. Welcome, Josh Madden. Wow, man. I'm I'm humbled. I don't know what to say after that, but yeah, thank you so much, David. It's you, brother. You did it. I I didn't. It's a lot. (laughs) I just wrote it up, but it's true. So, you know, we're saying we're taking the temperature. So what's your temperature? You know, everybody's taking everyone's temperature these days. I don't know about in L.A., but in New York, anytime you walk in somewhere, somebody wants to take your temperature. So what's your temperature like these days? You know, I've been talking to you in my head for like three or four (laughs) days. I've been talking to you for the last couple of days in my head because I wanted to sound really, really smart and insightful. I don't know, man. I want to give like really quick and small, concise answers, but I think the temperature right now is really interesting. I mean, both physically and in general, because I think that there's like, there's a hole in the wall and a lot of people are running through and a lot of people are trying to save each other. I mean, in a good, really good and positive way, but I think the temperature right now is like, it's, it's frenzied and frenetic it's a time in history where a lot is happening all at once. You know, I'm a old 43 years old, also kind of young, I think in some ways, but I I imagine that at certain times in history, like we look back so fondly or we look back so respectfully at certain times in history where a lot changed at once. And I just try to remind myself right now on a daily basis that that's kind of what we're going through in these times in history with so much change going on. Like the temperatures, it's frenzied, man. But it, at the same time, I think a lot of it's in a positive way, you know? It's interesting that you mentioned how in history things have changed all at once. I immediately think about 80s New York or even 90s New York. But those, it takes a while for those things to actually 
be clear for us to look back and say, yeah, something really has changed here. I think right now it's happening everywhere as opposed to like downtown New York or central capitals of of culture where things have popped in the past. But now because of the way you were describing it, we're all experiencing this time that we're in. Stuff is happening everywhere. I came up in a really small place in the middle of nowhere and magazines and media were our screen time. We didn't have cable television. I think we had five channels. We lived in a pretty strict household and we had got a hold of magazines and it showed us the world. That was our screen time. I was thinking about the other day, I was like, my screen time is like unreal and I'm doing my best to manage it. We would look at magazines and we would have these five or 10 magazines and they were all different, you know, whatever we get our hands on. And that was our screen time. And we looked at magazines like every page, you got to know every photographer and every writer and even the ads, they were so effective. And that was our screen time. I think we're getting there again because there's this hyper noise situation that's going on. I think it's easy for me to look at things and be romantic about the history that's, that maybe you lived or someone else lived. I try to be respectful and realize that there's parts of it that were really hard. I'm sure there's moments of things that are really sweet and really amazing things came out, but we all benefited from what your generation did and what you and a lot of people that you work with, what you did really, we benefited from it. I think we have to like really stop in this moment, ask ourselves, are we going to do right now what future people can benefit from? Everyone loves to talk about moments in history that see changed happen. And it was certainly, I would say, probably scary for people. It was no handbook for it. We're not in a lull by any means. It's buzzy. You know, it's like really buzzy. If you go look at the MTV awards from the early 90s or something and like look at the shirts that Michael Stipe was wearing or look at the messaging that was on clothing and it was talking about all of these issues and they're really not that much different. We have to be aware that right now everyone's sort of listening more than they were 10 years ago, you know? So... The long answer to your sort of question of the temperature is like right now, I think it's, we're in a bit of a frenzied state and it's going to take a lot of us getting our heads put on and quieting the noise for ourselves and then choosing what we're going to band together on and what we're going to change and the messaging that we're going to put out there. When you're talking, it made me think also something I've been thinking about, which is magazines. Recently, I started like subscribing to magazines, which I never really did. I would always prefer going to the newsstand. But of course, there are no newsstands left anymore because people aren't buying magazines in the same way. But given so much of the screen time and procession of images and people not really staying on very long in any one thing and randomly discovering stories here and there, depending on their feelings. It just seems like a great time to launch a new magazine because I think people would really respond to getting something in the mail that was printed that they could you know, hold in their hands and look at as just as an escape from all of this onslaught of persistent images. And I know you worked at Nylon and helped launch Nylon Men's Magazine or did launch it. How do you feel about that? Do you think there'll ever be a comeback for magazines? The answer to that is yes. You know, the first magazine that I ever did anything for was your magazine. The first photo shoot that I ever styled, I was not a stylist by any means. I mean, there was, I don't know if there was, you know, I don't know what Mel Ottenberg was doing at the time. I'm a big fan of Mel and what he does. 
I'm a fan of many stylists that Mordecai Rubenstein, I think he's a stylist. I moved to New York and I had done stuff for my brothers, but there was never any title on it. It was finding clothes at thrift stores and hunting down things. And my information retention around certain things like fashion and certain things just was better than, you know, as a younger guy, as a younger kid, I wanted to remember things about sports or like some impressive masculine information, I guess. I don't know. I wouldn't say fashion isn't masculine. I wanted to remember wrestlers names, WWF (laughs) or like, but I was never that kid. I remembered music and fashion related things. And I just remembered my memory recall. And I didn't choose that about myself. It was there, but I moved to New York and I had done that for my brothers and music videos and just being a a older brother and, and helping out wherever I could. And I met the misshapes kids really early on. I had met Lee before misshapes started and I met Jordan and Greg and all of that group of kids it was like a gene, genius group of kids. I was a little bit older, but I was like, man, this is really going to be something. You know, I saw it and I was like, this is something here. And they took me to the paper offices and I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't know anyone in fashion. I knew what I knew that I had collected on my own. I'd never been to a fashion show. I was new to New York. I didn't know anyone. They took me up there and I think I met you briefly. I met Kim. I met Mickey. I remember meeting everybody and that was the first shoot that I ever did. Something like 50 people in like 10 pages or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I Jimmy that. Webb was in it. My friend Junior Sanchez and like all these different kids and people were in it. I didn't even know what I was doing, David. I didn't have an assistant. I didn't know about pulling. I didn't know about letters of intent. I knew Kelly Catrone through my brother. At the time, Kelly was helping launch the career of Jeremy Scott and a bunch of other people. Carol and Umberto were just opening opening ceremony and I styled a couple of things for them. But when I did that paper magazine, I have issues in my house now. I'm trying to think of who was on the cover, but I, man, it was, it changed my life. It changed my life. Like for real, it changed my life. I had always done stuff with Benjamin Joel and, and they're my best friends and my partners and everything we do. But the misshapes kids and and you guys changed my life because there was something that I had done, you know, I could just talk for an hour about just doing that shoot. It was crazy. Then I started doing brand stuff. Yeah. Like I think magazines are really important because like music and, and food and visual art and, and visual media is something that empowers us. You run on a treadmill or, or run outside or do whatever you do and you, and you turn on a certain song and and you will run faster. I was talking to my brother last week about taking magazines and creating collages on our walls. I was just talking to somebody about clicks and this and that, like in a magazine, it's not about clicks. What makes a successful issue is a totally different conversation. You could put something in, in a magazine and, and someone that lives in Arkansas or in Cleveland, Ohio or something can receive it and cut it out and put it on their wall. And the story of, Whoever you chose to put in that magazine, whatever, whatever. I think in media, it's really, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but in media, I think we don't realize that we're just stewards. A lot of bands I listened to, I didn't know what they looked like. And then some people I saw what they looked like. I didn't know what their art looked like, or they didn't know what their music sounded like. But the written word and those photos that you put out there, the messages, I mean, I'm here today because of that, because of magazines and music and nothing else. Music and, and popular culture was like my religion. And magazines were like the Bible or the Quran or or the Torah. I had a friend who was in advertising and we were talking about the branding paper and, and he came up with the idea. He said, read the Bible. 
But then he thought about it again and said, well, yeah, well, nobody reads the Bible, so <laughs> that wouldn't be very good. So you mentioned your brothers. And I'm really curious because you're the older brother. You have these two younger brothers who are twins. I know you also have a sister. But the two brothers are the big superstars. How was that? I'd love to have a little picture of when you realized that they had talent or they were going to do something different from what you were doing. I knew my brothers were superstars from when we were little. I knew it. It never surprised me when they started their band. You know, they don't really regard themselves that way. They're really interesting people, man. I'm, I'm super fortunate. There's a handful of people that I've met and then six and seven and eight years later, they're famous or they have songs on the charts. I've always kind of wondered, you know, I think like anybody, any other human, you're like, why am I here? Why was I put here? And like, I believe personally that I was put here to help magnify the voices and the messages of people that are, I don't know if I'd say good, because that's kind of like too black and white, but like people that I think need to be heard or have a message or empower humanity in some way. You know, with Benjamin Joel, it was never a question in my mind from them. I was there. I remember the day that they started. It was never a question in my mind. It was You definitely are surprised when you're standing on stage and there's like 60,000 people and you're like, wow, that's my little brother. But now we have a management company. We manage 15 or 17 artists. There's people that like, you just see a light in them or you see something and, you know, you look and you're, you look at them and you, that's why I think everybody loves documentaries. I watch any documentary. I think it's so amazing because as humans, we're like looking at this documentary that's like 30 years ago, like this kid, when, how did they know they were going to be this artist or how did they know they're going to be this band or whatever. And there's always this little twinkle in their eye where you're like, man, they knew how did, how did they know? It's just this thing. And I don't think everybody's meant to be Michael Stipe or Madonna or, you know, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. Like, I don't think everybody's meant to be that position. I think we're all meant to be in the positions that we're in. I just knew from the beginning with those guys. And you didn't have that gene for music for yourself? No, we all grew up singing. We all grew up in a really like our family, our, our house was pretty storied. It's pretty well known in the music and everything. Like dad was like in and out. We were really poor. And um, like a lot of people, we found our comfort in music and even DJing, which I, I have to be honest with you, like I only enjoyed maybe 20% of the time DJing because my place in the, in the world is a person that just really likes to show people stuff. And when you're singing in a band or playing mu music as a DJ, you're serving people what they want. You know, there's a reason that like the biggest hit is in the last three songs of a rock and roll set or a musician's set. I enjoy music and art in a different way. It's very, it's very special to me. I'm not saying it's not special to other people, but I DJed as like a means to an end. And I had my picture taken because it was something people wanted to do, I think. But to be perfectly honest, I'm just as happy on a photo shoot playing music. And I make a lot of photos now and I make a lot of music videos and I make a lot of media now. And I think I love setting the tone and I, I love putting people onto stuff. I think Benj and Joel, the two of them are dynamic people and can speak to masses. And I'm not short-winded and I'm really bad at making a point. <laughs> and I'm okay with it now. I was always really frustrated, had a speech impediment growing up. I still do here and there when I get tired. I was really, really, really overweight for many years. I just think that I was like really happy in my place with them. I like being part of the brain trust. I became what 
I was with Pinch and Joel, I became to a lot more people, someone to bring stuff to and hopefully help bring information. I'm just really obsessed with like minutia. I don't think that lends itself to pop stardom, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but you said you have a lot going on right now and you were talking about that as well on the various projects and things. So to, can you tell us a few that would be helpful in advancing your goals to tell the stories of people that you think are important for us to know about? Yeah, yeah, of course. About two years ago, I, I got into the space of working with this brand X-Large and X-Girl and they're a big part of my youth. I really like the ethos that the brand was started with. I ended up meeting the founder, Eli, and I've become friends with Eli. And I really like that this X-Large brand was started. It's like one of the first brands with, with Eric Brunetti's brand, Fucked, to use the, the phrase streetwear. I think it was Vision Streetwear, Fucked, and X-Large were like using the, the term streetwear. I really like that it was like, you didn't have to be a, a really amazing skater I can skate, but I'm not like Chad Muska, you know, you didn't have to be an amazing athlete. There's a lot of brands about being athletic. You didn't have to be, you know, and it was like this group of people that was before they were Spike Jones was just Spike and Jason Lee was just around. I don't think he was a pro skater at the time. And everybody around was sort of just making their way. There was a huge transition going on in the Beastie Boys career and everybody that they had around sort of this group of people we're just all creatives. And I think it was some social commentary involved. It wasn't this negative cooler than now situation. And it's just then a brand identity that I really felt like really resonated with me and has resonated with me through my whole life. When you get involved, it takes some time for people to see your, your vision or to share in the vision. And I'm really excited with X-Girl. I started talking to Carlos Singer from Liquid Sky about a year ago and Claudia Ray. And we have a X-Girl and Liquid Sky collaboration coming. It was really important to me because Liquid Sky was like the first place in New York City that carried X-Girl. And I think Liquid Sky is like one of those things that's just kind of like a pillar in a culture that isn't, I think where it should be, I think they will be though. I think as time goes on, everything will have a documentary and every everything will, will get its credit. Liquid Sky definitely would deserve one. Reminds me with the X-Girl connection to Liquid Sky because Chloe Savigny was kind of the face of X-Girl back then, right in the 90s when it first launched, was Carlo's girlfriend for a while and I believe actually lived in the basement of Liquid Sky for a period of time. So the connection is very strong. Yeah, I don't know much about, I've talked to Carlos a lot. The DJ that really brought me up in, in DJing Junior Sanchez grew up in New Jersey and DJed at the tunnel in Limelight. He met me and we were from like two different worlds. He was a kid. He was like 13 years old when he started passing out flyers and then ended up DJing, I think around the time that he was 15. When I met him, he took me around. He was like, if you can get a plane ticket, you can crash on the floor in my hotel room and you can like open for me or do whatever. And I was like, sure. I had known about the music because I had gone to raise in Baltimore, but one minute you're like in raves in Baltimore. And then a couple of years later, you're having dinner with Arthur Baker, Peter Hook. I don't know that much about Chloe. I used to see her at like Tokyo 7 and certain thrift stores in the village. I would be there just doing what I was doing. And I would see her and I would be like, wow, you know, like I'm here living this life. I think all those people deserve their place in history. I think that was another thing with Benjamin Joel through everything we did. 
there's very few people I've ever met or seen that like made me starstruck. Like I saw Anton Corbin, I was eating in a restaurant and I was facing the wall. I didn't see anybody the whole time I was there. And I got up and I went to leave and Anton Corbin was sitting at a table behind me. And I was like, whoa, that's Anton Corbin. The people that I get starstruck by are maker type people. I think Tamara Davis is amazing because she made How High, she made Billy Madison, and then she made Radiant Child. And I think that's a crazy career to have, make pop culture movies, but also make documentaries. I think the people that I get starstruck by are like people that I, I like, you know, but ultimately like I see you walking through Times Square Park. I just be like, damn, I'm really here. I'm really here. I'm in this, I'm in this world too. I can help. Well, I'm, I'm going to feel that way when I go to LA, man. And I see you, <laughs> I'll really be excited. Yeah. I think it's cool. Real. New York will always be my home. And I, I was working on this project for the last nine months with Ricky Powell. Um, who just passed away. Oh, really? They had a little memorial for him last night yeah, Washington last Square night. Park. I was working with Ricky in the last like nine months. I got connected to Ricky through Eli, who started X-Large. And there had been a collaboration with Ricky in the past and someone posted it. And I sent him a picture of it. And he was like, he was like, wow, man, like, I don't even have one. Can you get me one? And I was like, uh, they don't exist. Like, it's this is from the past when you did a, a collaboration, but we could do it again. And he was like, I would love that. He was like, what picture do you want of mine? And I was like, I don't want a picture of yours. I want a picture of you. I, I want to do the same thing. <laughs> Nobody really understood. Like, I have a great love for like everybody in the culture. I don't know Jeanette Beckman, but I have a great love. And I'm a huge fan of Jeanette Beckman. I, you know, you had her on. I'm talking to his team now because I, I want it to be tasteful. I don't know if it's going to come out. It's funny. We became close friends. He got his Instagram hack. It was Saturday afternoon and I was sitting in my brother's house in the yard. and uh. Ricky, he was like talking to me about his Instagram, about hacks. And I was like, I'll get everybody on it right now. We'll get your Instagram back for you. All I'm ever trying to do is bring information to the conversation, you know? Yeah. I think it's so important that like people knew where all of this stuff came from. The men and the women and the different minorities and everything we have that's so amazing in culture didn't just come from one person or one group of people or one age group or one type of person, you know? We have a company where we we wanted to sign all different kinds of artists and not have one type of music. And I think it's cool to like every single day I get to interact with artists on the creative side. I'm in the studio now. We have a we have three recording studios here. And I get to be in the studio and say like, oh, check out this. It was always important to me. I saw shows at St. Mark's Church that was on my street. And I was like, oh, like Patty Smith's first show is rumored to be in this church. When I went to New York the very first time, I stayed at the Gershwin because Andy Warhol supposedly helped decorate the, the, you know, design the lobby and do everything. Life to me is almost like a museum that you can go and you can be part of. We come from so far away that everything we ever did, we're excited about it because it was just something that we read about, you know? Speaking about the heritage as you were and about extra large with the Beastie Boy connection, Basically, Mike D was one of the sparks for that whole brand, but wasn't necessarily an owner, whatever the relationship was. But X-Girl was started by Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth, and it was very much a celebration of girls, yes. women. And now you're not a girl, right? <laughs> I could call you he. I just want to jump in. The company, the person that really runs X-Girl, and that's why I'm the global creative director for X-Large, but I'm a creative director for X-Girl. The person that runs X-Girl is Oa-san, and her name is Junko Oa. 
and she lives in Japan and she's been with the brand. So the people that help run the brand now, this guy, uh, Shin Minigawa, he came to visit the States in end of 91, early 92. And he started bringing X-Large and X-Girl to Japan. And that's how it influenced Nigo. That's how Nigo, who started bathing games, saw X-Large. And Shin is a huge art collector. He's really tight with Sariyama and Kusama and, and all these artists. We're very, very close. He's like a big brother to me. And Oasan was working with him from the earliest. And, and she is really ex-girl. And the people that make a lot of what I make, both on the music side and on things around campaign work, I would say 90% all identify as women or women and maybe 10% men. When I moved out here and a lot of the people that I met and the people that I continue to meet, a lot of the people that I think are groundbreaking and doing stuff in subculture and, and also pop culture as well. But a lot of the women that I meet, I just continually am meeting women and I, I like love their voices, you know? I really, really love their voices. I've always, I think, worked really well with women. So for ex-girl, I, I can't, I got to be upfront and say that like a lot of what is going on, most of what's going on is women. My knowledge that I just bring to the table of things like Liquid Sky or like culturally my voice in the conversation is is just for the information. Do you think those brands are positioned now to make a big comeback? Because they're legacy brands. It's not that easy sometimes to bring back. We're talking about very familiarly about the history of these brands, you know, the Beastie Boys, uh, Kim Gordon, Sonic Youth. But today yep. it's not the same, right? It's not the same world. It's not the same demographic. Is there a plan to bring it into this uh, world we're in today? I can't speak for Kim Gordon or Mike Dave, two people that I greatly admire, and Adam Yock, who's no longer with us. I know we're all a little bit older and we love our, our youth and, and what all of these records meant to us, but I think the voices and what they continue to do, like, I don't know if you ever listened to Echo Chamber, but Mike D is talking to all ages, you know? He's playing all music and he's super in touch. I think Kim, for men and women and, and everybody. I think Kim is a is an amazing, strong voice. I think there's time. I mean, I'm not an authority to speak on culture. You know, I'm 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 yes, only you a junior. Are. Yes, I'm only you a ju- are. <laughs> I'm only a junior in the conversation, I think, with respect to people like you and Kim and and other people that have been in it, you know, I think it's interesting because I, I personally think that culture that there's certain times in culture where like there's the impetus of change and voices and thoughts are the impetus of change, right? And I think at certain times when things get going and we all push behind the car and then the engine turns over and we all ride in the car, right? The impetus for change or movements is a bunch of people pushing behind a car and one person in the front seat pop in the clutch and then we take off, you know? There's times where the car's rolling and driving along and no one's back there pushing because it's just rolling and culture's going and it's, it's growing and growing and growing. And then times where it runs out of gas and we're all back there pushing again, you know? Michael Stipe is someone that I listen to constantly and he's not, you know, in the forefront of pop culture right now, but I'd be damned if I don't think that he won't be there again at some point in his own way, on his own terms. If he wants to, yeah. If you saw that show, The Song Catcher, I believe it's called, where they do the history of the song and they had... Um, song Exploder. Song Exploder. Song Exploder, right. With the... Yeah. Losing My Religion and Michael Stipe. That was a fabulous episode of that, I thought. Have you have you ever seen the documentary that MTV made on R.E.M.? No. Anybody that listens to this podcast and anybody that um, I think 
is looking for information or looking for anything inspiring or, or music related, MTV made this documentary. I think you can buy it on streaming services or whatever, but man, it's so incredible. That band, the history of that band and the way that they dealt with everything and Michael's way of doing things is incredible. I'm a gigantic fan of the band and music, but also the way they organized and executed things. To that end though, I point artists in the direction of that documentary all the time. And I'm like, oh, like you think your band has it tough. Look at this band. They were on the Monster Tour and the shit started and stopped like four times. Every single member of the band had some thing happen to them. And that's why that tour has like 80 different t-shirts. It kept stopping and starting. It's so inspiring to see. I'm on this quest to understand success. I don't mean financial success, but what we deem as a success. Everybody thinks everybody else had some kind of like big break or like some kind of like thing that helped them out. And it's really like everybody is just out there the same and they're like trying to figure it out. I think there's a lot of people that are quote unquote born on third base or whatever, but even getting to know a lot of those people, I'd say like, man, I never knew that they were dealing with this or that. It's interesting to the conversation of Mike D or Kim Gordon or Michael Stipe or any number of people. There's times in the world when everybody turns down the volume on some people and it's not right. It just it just happened. All of these people have gigantic voices and messages that reach people. It's weird to say it like this was anybody's game any day. You yourself, you're doing this podcast and you don't know if like in two years, like all of a sudden everyone just decides to turn and look and like consume what you've been doing. All you can do is just make what you make and go with your purpose. Same thing for brands or anything else. If the purpose is there and if it's run with the same DNA, that made it successful, you just stay the course. You just stay the course with your DNA of what made you, you. And there's some things that I've done in the last two years that I think really brought it back to itself. I like working with brands like that. I like working with brands that people have undervalued. I like working with things that people are undervaluing because I see the value in a different way, you know? And it's just about communicating that. There's a story there and there's a message there's always going to be a need for those stories because none of us are new. None of us are some new thing. We're just a version of something before us. Well, Josh, it's really great talking with you because it's been a while. And now I remember why I always enjoyed your company. Love hearing what you're saying and your take on the zeitgeist. And hopefully we'll run into you on the streets where we belong in the not-too-distant future. Thank you so much for being on my show today. I'm thrilled, man. I'm thrilled. I could talk to you for hours, man. We will. I have a myriad of questions for you. My big respect to your whole team and everything that you guys have done and what you continue to do, what you continue to do now is just, a, just as important, if not more, than anything you've ever done. And having your voice out here and having you talk to all these people that you deem important or you're going to bring their message. Really, your platform is is incredible and your platform is uh, respected and I'm, I'm beside myself to be able to talk to you today. So thanks so much. Thanks, Josh. Peace, bro. I'll see you soon. You've been listening to Light Culture. You can find us at shopburb.com, Light Culture, or at Light Culture Podcast. Thanks again to Burb. You can follow them at shopburb on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to and review the show. If you would like to get in touch, reach out to me directly at David Reporting. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.